right. Hey, so what do you guys like? How do you like our new digs in here? Is this pretty cool? How do you like the new lobby out here on the side? I, I tell you, man, I, I'm, t- I'm pumped. I know we had mentioned to you at the end of the year that we we're going to try this uh, new deal. I, I think it's very, very cool. So, uh, and again, d- just this move helps us by saving us almost like fifteen to seventeen or hundred dollars a month, which is awesome. And we get to be cozied up. I get to be closer to you. So I, I, nobody's in the front row, so I can't quite spit that far, but uh, we'll do our best. Hey, uh, so today, um, talking about love. Everybody, everybody wants to love. Everybody, everybody wants to be loved. All right, anyway. Um, so, uh, but you, it's so funny, you guys, when we talk about love, it is the universal language, right? I mean, it doesn't matter where you live, anywhere all over the world. It doesn't matter when you've lived. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a child, an adult. Love. The whole world knows that love is absolutely key to the existence of being a human being. And the Bible makes this really clear to us as well, all over the place. It tells us that the greatest thing is love. The three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these things is love. In fact, that goes on to continue on. It says, in fact, if you don't have love, you've got nothing. And, and, and then the Bible lists some pretty amazing spiritual things that you could accomplish, things that are actually important to God, like faith and being able to speak in the tongues of men's and angels. And, but, it, but if you don't have love, he goes, you're, you're just nothing. It is absolutely key. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? And he says, man, you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you've got to love each other. You've got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. In fact, he says, there's no command greater than these. And then Paul later, he lists that same command. Love, you've got to love each other. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love. And so, so that's it. So when we were thinking about starting off this new year, and uh, we know that we're talking about, you know, uh, even as mentioned, uh, I know Christian was talking about this last Sunday when we were doing our little devotional over in the Red Box that um, we start new years, we got new resolutions, we've got, and when you think about resolutions and you think about new years, um, it's always a chance to kind of start again. And I think what happens is we really do start looking at how we want to live our life and maybe where we weren't doing so well as 09 wrapped up and where we want to really kick into 2010. Do you guys say 010, by the way? Anybody else doing that? <laughs> like, uh, as we move into 010 and we're trying to figure out, well, what kind of life do I really want to live? So we were kind of looking at that for K2 and realized that, well, if it's the greatest command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if it's the greatest thing and if we're nothing without it, then maybe the first thing that we should do this year is just really concentrate on what it means to have love. In fact, the verse that kind of came up with our title for the series, Galatians 5-6, simply says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts. I mean, out of everything that matters. I mean, you know, I mean, my Bible's small, but there's a lot in here. Out of everything that's in here, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And so that's what we want to look at here. To take this new year and help us to stop and think about it. The reason we're doing this series is to figure out what is this love then? If the only thing that counts is love. And so um, before I jump in, let's, let's, let's pray. And um, 
as I was thinking about this uh, message and, uh, and finalizing my thoughts again this morning, um, at the end of, of my time at home, I just asked Susie again, I said, now, so what is it by the time this day is done that we all need to do? We always think about, like, how do you apply this message? And one of the things that hit me is um, what you and I have to do is we have to believe something. You guys remember that when, when uh, somebody asked Jesus, they said, so what works must we do, <laughs> right? And Jesus said, well, the work of God is this, to believe. <laughs> and so what I realize is the message that I'm going to share with you today, what all of us in this room, if we can walk out of here today and we can actually believe, the only thing that counts is faith, if we can actually believe in this love that I'm going to talk about today, then somehow I think everything changes. Everything changes for you, everything changes for me, and for our lives. So, but here's, here's the tricky part. I can't, I can't make you believe anything. <laughs> um, I have my own issues to believe, and so do you. So I got to pray. We really do need to pray. Because what I'm going to talk about today is something that God actually has to reveal to us. <clears throat> Once he reveals it to us, then we can act upon it. So let's pray. Would you guys, all of you, I don't know where you're at in your own spiritual journeys or whatever, but pray for yourself or maybe just pray for all of us. Could we just together as I pray, join me in prayer and let's ask God and his presence here today to actually reveal this truth about this love to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this new year. I, again, I just want to thank you for the gift of time. The fact that uh, because of time, we can have a last year. Uh, because of time, we can forget what was behind. Because of time, we can hope for tomorrow and for better things. And, uh, and Lord, I also thank you for this moment. Because in this moment right here, it can be a catalyst for the rest of our life. It really can. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus. I just, I just ask you, Father, to make this moment divine a divine moment um, we can't understand deep spiritual truths without you revealing them to us and you know every heart in this room and you know all that they long for all that they're struggling with um, everything that they're thinking about and I just pray that you would minister in your perfect holy loving way to every person in this room so that we can walk out of here today actually feeling and sensing and knowing that we've engaged with the living God today. That's why we're here. We want to engage with you. We want to know you. So we pray that you do that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So what is love? What is it? If, if we're all in here to see the, uh, the uh, little video there beforehand where they were asking what love is. Can I, I love the, guy, the first guy's answer. What is love? And he said, the essence of all things that leads to the ineffable. I mean, how many of you would have ever come up with that? <laughs> I mean, if some guy showed up on the street and said, what is love? And you come up with the, the essence of all things that leads to the ineffable? I mean, uh, that guy's on a whole other plane uh, than I am as far as thinking about what love is. Um, but it's interesting, and then they go to the ineffable means, by definition, incapable of being expressed. 
So somehow this guy, that's his, uh, the essence of all things that leads to something that's incapable of being expressed. Very interesting. And then the other guy, what is love? And he says, well, it's ethereal. It's intangible. It's that which you constantly chase but never catch up to, and it's fleeting. And uh, here's, what, here's what's great to me about those answers. I don't know if they, uh, how they found those guys, but I think they're onto something. I think they actually are onto something about love. That it is ineffable in some ways. It is really un, 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 the unable to explain it. So our title for today is this. We're going to talk about a love that blows your mind. A love that blows your mind. Okay? So look at this passage with me. Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 17. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. It's an amazing prayer. Um, you might want to write this down. If you've got your notes, write this one down. Because this is a prayer that I pray all the time for myself and for others. And here's why. Let's look at a few of the things that are in this passage. He starts off, if we're going to learn about what is this love, okay? If, if everything revolves around love, it's the greatest thing. Without it, we're nothing. It's the greatest command. Everything, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What is love? The first thing that, that Paul mentions here is that I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So somehow, love is the thing that kind of holds you secure. Love is the thing, and, the, and Paul uses two really cool analogies here. The first one is, love is what can root you. It's what can root you. And so you guys, you, so just get the picture in your mind of a tree that as it matures and as it grows, what happens? And I love how and the, the, the actual Greek is, here is important. Being rooted. It's something that has already started and it's happening. And so you can picture a tree that when you first plant it and it's young, its roots are pretty small, but eventually they go down deep into the soil. And then when the storms come, or if it's not raining enough, if your roots can go down deep in the soil, then it can tap into the source of life that it needs. Even if life around you is dry and barren. If your roots go down deep and they're solid, then when the storms come and the winds rage and you watch the trees and they're bending, but they won't come out of the ground, it's because they're rooted. And so to start off this new year, one of the things we've got to, we've got to understand about this love of God is that his love for you and knowing it and believing it, and as we're going to talk about, and relying on his love is what roots you. It's what can get you to the source of life, even if everything around you is barren and dry. It's what can hold you secure, is knowing the love of God, even if the storms are coming and raging against you. So that's the image, and that's the picture that Paul wants you to understand. He says you're being rooted, and then the next thing he says, and you're being established. 
And that is an architectural term for laying the foundation. It is, what, it is the solid foundation that the rest of your life can be built on. And so love, why is this so important? Because what God is saying is, I'll tell you this. If I'm praying that you, being rooted and established in love. And so just, just stop for a moment and just think about that. Think about God and his love. Does it do that for you? Do you know the love of God in such a way that even when you're dry and it's dusty, there's still a place of source of life? Do you know his love in such a way that when the storms come, somehow, and they're raging, you're holding firm somehow? Do you know the love of God in such a way that everything else that you're building in your life, all your relationships, your work, your finances, your kids, whatever it is, everything that you're building your life on is actually built on something that's absolutely solid (laughs) instead of something that could be washed away. And what Paul is saying is, I'm praying that you would be rooted and established in his love because somehow the love of God is what gives us that. Okay, that's the first thing. Then, and this was a thing, years ago, a good friend of mine brought this out to me, and I don't, I don't know why I hadn't seen it, but he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And here's why I prayed, and here's why you need to keep praying, and here's why I keep praying. Apparently, the only way I'm going to know the love of God is I need power to grasp it. Yes, catch. I mean, see, this is, this is where we're talking about something really divine here. Because apparently, to know the love of God, you don't have it within you, I don't have it within me to totally grasp it. In other words, you could be reaching on to something, and yet, you know, hanging on for your dear life, and yet not having the strength, and it slips out of your hands, and you just, I can't grasp it. And I think sometimes... As human beings, this is our issue. We really can't grasp the love of God. It's not solidifying us. It's not deepening our roots. It's not sustaining us. It's not holding us secure. And so if it's not, then one of the cool things for me in here is then pray and ask God. And I do. I say, man, God, give me the power to grasp it. Because if I'm struggling to really know the love of God, then somehow I need his power to be able to do that. Okay? So if it's the greatest thing, and it's what it's, it sustains our life. Ask for it. Pray for it. We're going to get to that again later at the end. The next thing he says is this. I pray that you be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. How do you know a love that surpasses knowledge? That's why we called it this. What we're talking about today, you guys, is a love that blows your mind. In other words, what Paul was saying here is as a human being, to really grasp and understand this love, you're going to have to experience it. What Paul's saying here is, I'm praying that you'd have the power to grasp how long, long and high and wide and deep is the love of Christ and to know it. In other words, to experience it. Not just to learn about it, but that it actually comes and is a part of your life because once you've experienced something, then you know it at a whole different level. 
Because if you try to just figure out in your head, the love of God is never going to quite be all that it can be. So somehow we actually have to experience it. And I'm hoping and praying that that might happen even today. And then his last thing, and why? Why is Paul praying this? May I pray that you being rooted and established would have power to grasp this love. That, and I'm praying that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. And why? And his last thing he says, because then you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You can be filled. And this is, see this again for me, where I just stop and I, and I think about why are we here on this Sunday morning? Why do I give my life to, to, to this God? Because he's telling me, I love you with a love that will blow your mind. And once you experience it, and once you grasp it, and once you don't just learn about it, but once you know it personally, I'm telling you right now, you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, what God is saying is all that I am, I want to now be in you. And you can live this life. See, this is where it's not just about making it to heaven. That's going to be great. But this is about a love that can be with us now in this day and in this age. And so, I pray you know this, Paul says. I pray for power so you grasp it. Well, what is it? I don't think we still don't know what it is, really. We're still going, well, okay, great. Well, what is this love? How can I really know it? And here's where he goes. Let's go to 1 John. And I just want to encourage you, during this whole month, we're going to be talking about the only thing that counts all month long. And I would really encourage you to, to grab the book of 1 John. And um, if you're looking for a place for a new year to kind of start your own time with God, grab 1 John and just read this over and over and over again. Because um, he hits this love thing pretty hard. And here's where we're going to go. I'm actually going to jump uh, to verse 9. What is this love that Paul wants us to know so bad? John, John defines it for us in 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Okay, here we go. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And that he sent his son as the one who would turn aside his wrath and take away our sins. This is love. That will blow your mind. Now let me just share two, more th- two quick things and then I'm going to kind of define this for you. So f- first of all, the first thing that we understand about the love of God, you guys, is he starts it. He first loves us. He initiates it. In fact, in another place, it says that. It says, um, 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because he first loved us. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved us. See, in, 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 as I say that right now, I, again, I, like, I don't know most of you, and I don't know it's your spiritual journey. But when you think about this, when you think about it's not that you got your act together and started loving God. That's not love. Because then, usually what you're doing then is you're trying to gain God's favor, right? You're trying to be good enough. And if you're good enough, then maybe God will love you back. Is that love? See, that's not love. This is love. Not that you love God. What's love is that he loved you. (laughs) And just stop for a second and 
Seriously think about yourself. Does it blow your mind that he loves you? See, if it doesn't blow your mind that he loves you, then I'm praying for you. Because this is the key to understanding all of what Jesus Christ is about. The fact that God loves you. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But here's the second, and because here's the second thing. Here's what love is. It's that I love you, and my love is completely different. My love is completely different. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to share this one last passage with you, and I tried so hard not to do this, um, because this is a passage that, that maybe some of you, if you've been hanging around here for K2 for a while, have, have heard. Um, if you've been to a wedding that I've done, um, chances are you've probably heard me give this. I, if, if a couple doesn't have a, a special passage that they want me to give, this is usually the one I choose. I don't know anywhere else in the scripture that's a better place to, to, to define what the love of God really is. And so, so I, and, and here's the other thing. So I was telling Susie, like, oh, I don't know if I should use this again because I think I've used it before. And my guess is, uh, even if I used it before, none of you will remember that anyway. Um, but uh, here's, here's the other thing. I use this passage all the time, just for my own life. I can, I, I can think of no better way for us to understand this love that will blow your mind than this right here. So here we go. Um, in fact, usually when I have a Bible for a while, this is the page that usually rips out and I have to scotch tape it back in just because I, I keep going to it so much. So here we go. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 5. Hope does not disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint us. See, <clears throat> what is hope? You know, I always laugh like this. Like, I'm, I'm hoping the Detroit Lions will have a winning season someday. You know? And you know what? It disappoints me every year. I can hope that the weather's going to be this. I can hope lots of things. In fact, we prayed. On our, we went to go see Susie's mom uh, in Colorado, you know, and uh, went and got the car fixed because there were some issues going on with the whole thing. We prayed before we got there. We hoped for a great journey. We got outside five miles outside of Craig in the middle of nowhere, and our headlights went out on us. So you, you, you can hope for good weather, you can hope for lots of things, and it disappoints you. Anybody been disappointed by hope? All the time. And the Bible tells us, hope doesn't disappoint us. See, because the hope in the Bible is something completely different. The hope in the Bible is something you can know for certain. And then he says this, hope does not disappoint us. Why? Why? Because... God has poured out his love. His love. The love that will blow your mind. He has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. And now here's the definition. I'll read it and then I'm going to explain it. You see, Paul getting ready to explain this, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is the love that will blow your mind. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? When I asked you, <clears throat> the fact that God loves you first, does that blow your mind? And if it doesn't, let me share with you why it should. <laughs> okay? Here's why it should. Let's walk through this thing together. All right. The first thing he says is this. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. See, here's, here's, there's, four, there's four qualities that I want you to understand about God's love. As we get ready to start this new year. Okay? The first one is this. See, human love, when we love somebody, usually we love them because they do things for us. I mean, it's reciprocal, right? I mean, isn't that how a relationship works, right? Um, You do something for me, I do something for you. And if I do something for you, I'm usually, as a human, have an expectation that you're going to do something back for me. And we have this little reciprocal thing going on. And wow, I really love, like, man, I I love you. You know, because we've had some good time. We've had, you've done this for me. I do, you know, we... So God says this, um, actually, you know when I love you? I love you when you're powerless. <laughs> now, think about that word. If you're powerless, what can you do? What can you do? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That's what the word powerless means. No power. And what the Bible tells us, hope doesn't disappoint us. You know why? Because God has poured his love into our hearts. And you know what his love says? This is divine love, you guys. God looks at us and says, you know what? You can do absolutely nothing for me. And that is just the right time for me to love you. Think about it. Okay? All you who are married, think about it. How much love wells up within you when your spouse is powerless? When your spouse can do nothing, you know, all the stuff that you guys got and negotiated right before you got married, <laughs> you know, you, you guys will do this and I'll do this and this will be great. And then all of a sudden you get into your marriage and the person can't do it and they can't be the person and do the things that make a good relationship work. What does human love do? Human love gets really frustrated and human love usually pulls it back. It says, if you can't do anything for me, then I'm not going to love you. Here's the love that should blow your mind. Because God's love says, you know what? When you can't do anything for me, that is just the right time for me to love you. See, God's trying to demonstrate to us a love. And so when we look at this, you guys, have you ever felt spiritually powerless before God? I mean, have you ever gotten to a place where you just go, I just can't do it? See, what we want to do then is we feel like we should run away from him. We start to feel shame. We start to feel like we're not good enough. We start to feel all this guilt inside of us. And what we need is, and this is why, you guys, I cling to this passage. I hold on to it. My Bible gets brown from all my fingertips on it and grease stains and coffee because I need to know when I'm powerless that that doesn't make God go, you know? sick of you. He goes, no, when you're powerless, just the right time for me to show you that I love you. It's when you need to lean into him. 
And once you can actually grasp, and I'm telling you, this is what I'm saying. As a human being thinking about God, I bet you, you don't grasp that. If you do, praise God. Because I think as a human being, usually we think, I got to do something for God. And if I don't, he's not going to love me. And his love is so different than ours. See, because that's what happens with human beings. When I can't be what you need me to be, then love gets withdrawn. And so we think God does the same thing. I'm telling you, he is absolutely the opposite. Just the right time. You're powerless? Great. Let me love you. Here's the second thing. He says, when you're powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay? Now, if you're ungodly, and he's God. Anybody in here ever been ungodly? Okay? All the rest of you go, uh, I'm in church. No, you're all ungodly. Let's just be honest. We know we are. And if you're ungodly, that simply means you're not like God, right? Okay, just the right time, he says. When you're ungodly, not when you're godly. When you're ungodly, just the right time for me to love you. Now, think about your human relationships. What does human love usually do? What human love does is says, hey, we've got some things in common. I like hanging out with you, you know? You like the same movies, you like to play games, you like to ski, you like to do whatever. I mean, we just, we got the same personnel, we understand the same jokes, you know, we're at the same economic status, we're whatever it is. We like to hang out with each other, and it's pretty easy to love somebody who's like you. <laughs> Anybody ever struggled to love somebody who's not like you? See, what happens is when you get with another human being and they're not like you, and I, I, come on, we're all like this. The natural tendency immediately is to say, I don't want to hang out with you. And I definitely don't want to like love you. And see, what God says to us is, if if Jesus could stand here right now, he would look at all of us and he'd say, can I just give you, can I give you guys a hint? You're nothing like me. You're not like me. And that is just the right time for me to show you that I love you. I'm going to die for the ungodly. And I'm telling you, when you have looked at your life and you know that you're not living a godly life, you're not living the way that he wants you to, again, what do you want to do? I think the natural tendency for me is I want to run away from him. Because if I've been ungodly, then I know that his wrath is going to be on me, his anger is going to be toward me, and we're not going to be able to be tight with each other And yet what he says is just the right time for me to love you and for Christ to die for you is when you're ungodly. Okay, third one. He says, and here's the definition right here. He goes on, he says, God demonstrates his own love. What is this type of love that we're going to talk about? That's the greatest thing that all of us need to figure out. He goes, let me demonstrate my own love for you in this. Verse eight, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. You guys, uh, and again, this term here is uh, uh, the word hamartia is, is the word in the Greek, <clears throat> and it's, a, uh, it's an archery term. So again, what they would do is they'd take the bow, and they would pull it back, and they would shoot for the bullseye, okay? And every time they would miss the bullseye, miss the mark, they'd yell out, hamartia. So it meant, you missed it, <laughs> okay? So in other words, it's kind of like what he's saying here is God has this uh, standard, and, and so do you. See, so this is why I always share this at, at weddings, <laughs> 
Because when, when two people stand there before uh, me or whoever they're getting married before, before God and all the witnesses, when they stand there, basically what they're saying is, no other human being on this planet has met my standard except you. Isn't that what you're saying? Right? Jimmy and Kim, is that what you said to each other? There ain't no other person on this planet. This one met my standard. I'm marrying you. Okay? What happens after you get married? See, because then you, you have this standard, and then all of a sudden you go, hey, you, know, you don't jump as high as you used to. You know, hey, isn't this what we, this was the standard. This is why I married you, because you were this. And then you get married, and you realize this person ain't meeting the standard anymore. What does human love do? What does it do? I'm withholding it. Dude, you don't meet my standard anymore. And until you do, until you can leap just a little bit higher, then I'll give you my love. Every single one of us has been loved that way. Some of us have been loved by our parents that way. All of us go through our world at your workplaces. When you were in school, you were trained. Here's the standard. Get the D. (laughs) Well, not anymore. Now you can flunk and still go up. It's kind of cool. But it used to be where you'd get the D. If you didn't get the D, if you don't meet the standard. I mean, there's a standard. And human love says, if you meet my standard, if you act like this, if you're enough like this, if you give, if if you give back to me, then I will love you. And here's God looking at us and saying, can I just tell you something about you? In fact, the Bible tells us everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he goes, Let me, I'm going to demonstrate my love for you in this. While you don't meet my standard, while you sin against me, when you fall short and you're not everything that I created you to be, I'm going to die for you. See, one of the things, and this is one of the things I was praying for you this morning, is this. You know, we sing the song, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But what's the next line? The saved a wretch like me. See, Grace isn't amazing unless you've seen the sin in your own life. And once, and really the Holy Spirit is the only one who can trigger something inside of you to help you to see it's like, you know what? You are so far away from God. Once you know how far away you are from God, then this really cool thing can happen in your spirit where you can actually feel sorrowful for it. Where you can see that you grieve the heart of God with the way that you live your life. But there's this thing called godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. There's two different sorrows once you look at your life and realize you're falling short. Worldly sorrow actually leads to death. It's kind of where you beat yourself up and you have shame and you, the guilt just piles upon you. And the next thing you know, it, just, it drives you deeper down into the dregs of your own soul. But, world, but godly sorrow, it says, leads us to repentance. See, 
The beauty of the love of God, you guys, is for him to look at you and say, listen, I know, in fact, I know better than you do, how far away you are from me. You sin against me all the time. And so here's the deal. We got to take care of that issue. I'm not going to ask you to get your act together so that I'll then give you my love. What I'm going to do is while you sin against me, I'm going to send Jesus. And I'm going to send him so that he can pay the price for your sin so that you don't have to pay for it. See, now for me, the love of God starts to blow my mind. Even as a guy who's been walking with him for 30 years, all of you who are mature Christians in here for a minute, okay? If you're you're not a follower of Christ, you need to understand that the whole reason we just celebrate Christmas, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, the whole reason we do this is because God looked at you and he said, you know what, you are so far away from me and I want to forgive your sin. So I'm going to send Jesus Christ. This is going to demonstrate my love for you. When you don't care about me, I'm going to care about you. That's what my love is like. Now, for all of you who are followers of Christ, and you've been trying to, you know, walking with Jesus for a while, you've got to remember this too. I have to remember this too, that when I slip and fall and get entangled in sin, man, then you can even feel really crappy <laughs> because you should be better, right? I mean, that's what, that's what I'll do. I'll be, man, I should be better than I am, and I, I just want to pummel myself, and I feel so guilty. And this is why I cling to this passage because I have to remember that no matter who I am or what I've done, Jesus died. You know, how many sins had I committed when he died 2,000 years ago? None. All of my sin was in his body. And you got to remember this, you guys. The love of God for you right now today, I don't care what you've been doing, is unbelievable. It's holy. It's divine. It's so different than any other human being. I don't care the greatest human being on the planet. How much they've loved you hasn't come close to how much God loves you. So much so that he would send Jesus Christ to die for you. Now, here's what you've got to understand. Please, this is so key, you guys. God does not forgive you because he loves you. You understand that? You've got to understand this. See, because I think most people think, man, God just, he's so loving, he'll just forgive me for what I do. Uh-uh. No, he won't. No, he loves you so much that he would send Jesus Christ to die for you. So he could forgive you. See, the Bible tells us there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Death has to be paid to forgive sin. And so you guys need to know right now, does he love you? Yes. But he loved you enough to send Jesus, even though you didn't care about him. And that is a love that blows my mind. That he loves me that much. The last thing he just says uh, real quick and then we'll, we'll close is this. In verse 10, he says, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Here's a love that should blow your mind. And maybe, I, maybe some of you would be like this. Maybe you would feel like an enemy of God. When did God reconcile us? when we were his enemies. <laughs> See, again, what does human love do? Does human love go to an enemy 
and say, I want to be reconciled to you? No, human love withholds again. God says, you know what? Even if you're against me today, just the right time for me to love you. I'm going to show you that I have a love that will blow your mind. Because here's the whole deal, you guys. Here's why we have to know this. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that we're supposed to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, right? We're supposed to love each other. I'm telling you, it's hard to love God and it's hard to love each other. The motivation for doing so is knowing the love of God that he has for you. And once you know that, it can change everything. It changes everything. Once you know that God loves you like this, your roots go down deep in life. And they hold you secure. Once you know God loves you like this, it lays a foundation for you for the rest of your life. And if you don't know it, if you doubt it, if you question it, and I will all the time, I do, I just, I struggle with it. I know it in my head, but I need to know the love that surpasses knowledge. I need to experience and I need to grasp it. So I keep praying for it. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. To start off 2010 with a knowledge of the love of God can change your life. So, so what do you do with this? What do you do with this? I just know for me, I can only think of two things. For me to really know the love of God, it takes two things. The first one is I need to see the sin in my life. I need to see all the behavior and all of my attitudes and all of my thoughts that are against God. And I need to openly confess those to Him. I can't hide them from Him. I want to, and so do you. But I'm telling you, to experience, to know the love of God, is to lay before Him the deepest, darkest secrets of your life and then believe from His promise to you that if you'll confess your sin to me, I will be faithful and just to forgive you. And once you experience the forgiveness of God for your sin, it sets you free. If you have never confessed your sin to God and never received the forgiveness that He offers you through Christ, 2010 could start with a whole new direction for your life. And you would know the love of God so you could be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Him. And if you're a follower of Christ today, this, it never changes. I find that still, the way I really know His love is I have to confess my sin openly to Him and let His grace and His love and the gospel, the good news of Christ dying for me take root and set me free. So that's what we're going to do right now. Band, come on up. And we are going to start off the year by taking communion together. And um, communion is this time where Jesus said, it's also called the Lord's Supper. It's where Jesus said, listen, I know one thing. Uh, In your life, you're going to have a tendency to forget me. (laughs) In your life, you're going to have a tendency to forget all that I've done for you and how much I love you. So on a regular basis, here at K2, we try to do this about every month. We try to do this, we don't do it every week, but we try to do it every month, where we want to give ourselves a chance to remember. Because that's what he said. He goes, I want you to remember how much I love you. 
So we have bread here. We have juice here. Um, Jesus said, what I want you to do is if you, and this is the other thing, if you have put your faith in Christ, then you take communion. If you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, use this time to honestly just investigate your own heart and to consider this love of God that is so far beyond us. But if you've received that, and maybe today you want to receive it, and if so, then come, join us. Jesus said, take this body of mine and remember that I broke it for you. I died for you. I will give up my life for you. Even when you don't care about me, I die for you. Remember that when you take it and eat it. Secondly, he says, and here's my blood that is shed for you. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. You need to remember, I shed my blood for you. And if you've put your faith in me, all of your sin is forgiven. You guys, come up here. Take his body that was broken for you. Dip it into his blood that he shed for you. And then take and eat in remembrance of him. Remember this love that is so divine and so different than what you've been experiencing from anybody else. I don't care if you're powerless, ungodly, a sinner, or an enemy. Today is the day where God says, you come and be forgiven of that so I can transform you into my friend, into my child, and into someone who I can live in and you can live in me. So we're going to start off with a song just to give you a chance just to meditate on this. Come forward at any time during the song and let's receive communion. Let's remember what God has done for us. We got two here. We also have two way on the outside. And, um, and let's take this time together.